Singleton the second. Now, y'all know we love guests. You know, we love tapping friends, community members, and more to come join us. And today is no different. We've invited yet another wonderful guest to share knowledge with us and invigorate the conversation. So I'm going to pause for a quick second so that she could introduce herself to y'all and maybe say a quick fact. And at this point, I'm tossing the mic. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Kristen. Um, recently graduated from Spellman less than a year ago. Uh, just been out here and super excited to be a part of this episode with Liebert and Paul. Um, so, yeah. Oh, come on. You can say a little more than be out here. Amazing work that you do. Brag just a little bit. Oh, I'm, okay. Um, cool. Great. Let's do that. Okay. Starting over. Hi, everyone. My name is Kristen. I recently graduated from Spelman less than a year ago, and I am currently a political associate with uh, Fair Fight Action in Georgia. Um, and I'm super excited to be part of today's podcast episode with Libra and Paul. Uh, thank you guys for having me. And uh, Paul, you want to tell them who we are now? Of course, of course. So for our new listeners um, and for our old ones, we're going to remind you of who we are. And we are two black counselors in training who's bridging the gap between what we are taught, what we know, and what we think we know, all through understanding the world by recognizing that the world is still being formed. Now that you have a great sense of who we are and who our guest is today, Lieber, the topic is what? What are we talking about today, brother? Okay, so today's topic is vulnerability something that we've uh we've been, we've heard you know we might have participated in and of course for this episode we're gonna lovingly expand and we love definitions we think it's really good for everybody to know what we're using because some words have multiple right so we went to dictionary.com and we pulled their second definition which defines vulnerability as a willingness to show emotion or to allow one's weakness to be seen or known, or a willingness to risk being hurt or attacked. And of course, now I'm going to kick it back to Paul so he can start us off with our first question today. All right. So now we transition into our first question. What comes to your mind when you hear the definition of vulnerability? What are your initial thoughts? Well, some, the first thing um, that really resonated with me was that ending um, part of the definition um, for the willingness to risk being hurt or attacked. It's a little, I don't want to say off-putting, but shocking that that's in the definition um, that vulnerability is automatically associated with those neg- with being attacked or being hurt, um, where some in some aspects and in some lights, vulnerability is seen as a strength or something that is um, transcended a, a like showing your true emotions or um, being willing to be open with someone. So to know that so many people associate vulnerability with 
being like threatened or harmed um, is a little shocking, um, to be honest. I think your thought just helped support mine because there, there was something in the explanation that I was like, this feels off. And I think the part of the definition where they describe weakness mm. might be it. Because when I think of vulnerability, I think of like the stigmatized view, right? Which I think <laughs> this definition actually supports because they didn't really make reference to letting people in or letting yourself be supported. Mm-mm. And that's such an important part of vulnerability. And imagine trying to look it up to grow your knowledge on being vulnerable and what vulnerability is. And you see this, which is very leading in the negative realm of vulnerability. (laughs) Yes. Um, You guys share really interesting thoughts. Um, My initial reaction to the definition didn't really take into consideration the, um, I guess, the way the definition negatively presents vulnerability, um, and specifically the words you guys highlighted, you know, um, you know, the willingness to, you know, show weakness or open yourself up to, uh, you know, being hurt or being attacked. Um, and so, yeah, it definitely puts, shows vulnerability in the sense that it's, um, I guess, almost like a, um, like a, a bad thing in, in a sort of way. Um, but, uh, I think we all know that vulnerability in itself is not necessarily, um, that like it's not um bad and it's not uh you know showing weakness and things like that um like the definition suggests that it's a little bit more than that for sure and i think that also speaks to um the fact that we have so many different definitions i think lieber led us with that um highlighting that there are multiple definitions that means that this is a uh i don't want to say triggering topic but this is something that a lot of researchers and scholars and just people in general have mixed views on putting more emphasis on this discussion today in my eyes i love your highlighting of how even scholars disagree on that Mm -hmm. because sometimes when we hear that a topic has been like studied or examined we think everybody has a similar thought on it but as researchers and i think we're all researchers because we've been looking stuff up since honestly elementary school (laughs) we have to remember that the first Yeah, you know, the first hit that we've gotten isn't the best hit, isn't the only hit. It's just what was at the top of the Google search. Right. Because if we said this definition to other vulnerability scholars and vulnerability scholars, if you go by something else, I'm sorry. (laughs) But they'd probably be like, whoa, like, what? That's not my definition at all. Right. And that's sort of why I structured the next question this way. So I think this is a good lead into it, which is we've looked at one definition from dictionary.com. So I want to ask you two, how do you define vulnerability? And more specifically, how does your definition maybe differ from this one that we just got? And viewers, y'all can't see, but I know they're thinking hard because I'm thinking hard. (laughs) I'm pondering right now. (laughs) <laughs> the little WebEx emojis be cracking me up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know you could do it. Me neither. That's new to me. Hmm. Um, I guess I could. I can start. Um, 
so when I think about vulnerability, I uh, I really think about just being able to, um, I guess, be comfortable being showing up as your authentic self. And I say that because like there are a lot of uh, factors that, um, you know, have us presenting ourselves in one way or another that may not be um, who we actually are. Um, whether that's like in school or in a job setting, um, even sometimes in friendships or, uh, you know, romantic relationships. Um, and I think when I think of vulnerability, I just think about being able to um, be my authentic self and be able to, uh, I guess, allow someone to know uh, me past, um, you know, surface level and allowing them to and just, um, you know, showing some emotion, uh and like in relation to the first definition, um, so it's like the willingness to show emotion, like the willingness to open yourself up, but not necessarily with um, the threat of like, or the possibility of being like attacked or hurt, but more so with the possibility of like being able to develop like more genuine and deeper connections in that sense. For sure. And uh, along those lines, um, I've, as you were describing your definition, I was trying to uh, craft mine in my head, but I was visualizing it, and I'm came to be was basically vulnerability being that key to that treasure, and the treasure being myself, or um, to your point, being your authentic and your true whole self, um, in in that greater in that greater form. So I've always seen vulnerability as um, that last line of this defense, um, typically, and I know this is a question that we will lead into later, um, but needless to say, when I think about my first instances with it, it's really tr- figuring out how can I allow somebody in, right? Um, re- whether that was my romantic partner at the time or just family, like sometimes even your close friends, you're a l- little hesitant. Um, the world has conditioned us to build walls and to push people away because we are not so comfortable being our true selves or sharing our, our true thoughts with just any and ev- everyone. So I've always seen vulnerability as uh, that key to truly getting to know someone as them as their full selves, uh, that true individual, the true Lever, the true Kristen, the true Paul. Um, and that is the means of actually figuring out who these individuals are because if someone's willing to be vulnerable with you, in my eyes, I think that's a level of trust and commitment that um, and that that bondness, that strength of that bond that uh, an individual shares with another. Mm-hmm. Both of your definitions, I'm going to pull pieces from because I think they're very in line with the one I have in my head. To me, I define vulnerability as making peace with the outcomes that come from perhaps what you do know or don't know about yourself. Because being vulnerable often does require the external piece of what your network will say and can do, as well as the internal piece of what you say and what your self-talk looks like. And I want to highlight the component on peace because many people think if I'm vulnerable, and maybe I've been vulnerable with the wrong person, Mm. that everybody has to get the axe or everybody has to suffer because that person wasn't the the right person. But the reality is if we pick and choose when to be vulnerable, we end up 
not practicing at all. And because vulnerability is a highly stigmatized area, mm-hmm. you know, if we're not practicing and society already encourages all of us to not really be that vulnerable. And we have questions later that talk about how identity influences vulnerability too. Then we reach this point in time where we just have this big gap or growth area because through our social learning, we're not even getting it there because sometimes social learning is a big equalizer. You know, it can pick apart the way some of our socializations make us rigid and tough. But vulnerability is something that really, like, has to have effort put into it. Like, for example, when we think about college, when you go off to college, whatever your worldview is, it's going to grow in some capacity just because you're around a bunch of people. Like, that's what exposure does. Mm. But in regards to vulnerability, you can come into college or your job or your relationship at one point in time, and it's completely possible (laughs) For you to not have changed at all on the vulnerability leader. And uh, Kristen, did you have a perhaps another follow-up thought before we go to the next question? Um, no, not at the moment. You guys really covered. Um, yeah, touched on everything really. Okay, so um, then I think you got the next one. Yeah, so go ahead, Paul. Absolutely. So now that we have a great understanding and a foundation of what vulnerability is, not only through the Webster's Dictionary version, but our, also our own definitions, this is a perfect transition into understanding our first exposure to vulnerability. So our next question um, focuses on when do you think about when when do you think about when you were first exposed to vulnerability as a concept, and what happened at that time? So, so go back in that mental time machine, relive those moments, those joys, those pains. When were you first exposed to vulnerability as a concept? I think my first exposure was as a kid. Mm. I was watching an episode of Gundam Wing, which actually got me in trouble too, which is a, another story. <laughs> But a character got upset, and he cursed, and he, like, slammed his fist on his desk. And, you know, he said, damn. And I remember it taught me for for some reason as a kid, maybe because he he said a bad word or who knows. But I think that was the first time I actually was, like, conscious of it. Because, you know, like, even though you've existed, there are, like, points in time in our life when you just, like, latch on to stuff mm-hmm. something about that got me because most emotional expressions at least amongst the adults in my life were really contained and controlled you know pro- professional almost and that just seemed kind of kind of new to me at that point in time um yeah so like Lieber um you know, my first exposure to the concept was, you know, as a kid. Um, but I think for me, um, vulnerability was something like more of like a physical thing to me um, growing up. And I hadn't really connected the emotional piece or, you know, just the emotional piece hadn't been something that I was exposed to. So when I thought about vulnerability, it's sort of like, um, you know, if you get injured playing a sport or something, 
you know, you're vulnerable because of your injury or like the team's vulnerable or, um, you know, just like a physical thing. And I don't think I really connected the emotional piece until um, maybe around high school, but even then just building off of vulnerability uh, as like a weakness in a physical sense sort of made me connect that like in the, uh, to the emotional side of it as well. Um, so like all around for me, it was viewed as like, um, you know, like a weakness. Um, and I don't think I really started to consider it as more than that until I got to um, Selman College. And Libra knows, like, uh, when I joined um, the National Council of Negro Women, for those who don't know, I was going to say NCNW. That's the way we abbreviate it. Um, but it wasn't until, like, uh, being in some sessions with my peers and NCNW that I really started to look at vulnerability um, in a different light. Um but yeah, but for so many years, it was always just like this weakness, this um, this bad thing that you shouldn't be or that shouldn't exist, essentially. No, that resonates with me. Um, I think back, to, again, similar to you both, um, my earliest memories when I was maybe in fifth grade, 10, 11 years old, and I was very much attached to the boys will be boys. And um, I didn't share things to, or share too much with my friends outside of like our similar interests, um, particularly when it came to how I was feeling um, or if there was something going on um, back home. But there was a time uh, during those uh, during that age is when one, one of my great aunts passed away. And it really hit me hard because I loved her so much. I still do. Um, and this was the first time that I think I was having company over everybody, typically you know, when you come to Paulie's house, you go into the basement, we playing video games, we hanging out, all that jazz. But my parents called me upstairs and told me what happened. Um, and I just started crying. And, and I didn't care that my friends were in my space or let alone around me. And I just like was crying in my mother's arms because um, I love this woman so much. And it hurt me. Um, and I thought that was fearful, to be honest, because one, um, after it made me start thinking about death and death at times can be something that um, can bring a lot of uh, fear and negative thoughts in your mind. But uh, the thing that I was truly fearful of is how my friends and peers would react when I would go back to school the next day because they had to abruptly leave my house, you know, because I was going through something. But they still accepted me. And that was one of the uh, first tests that I had with my friends to, to know that no matter where I am or how I may react, even in the funniest or saddest moments, they always accepted me for me. Um, and those was, that was one of the most formative, transforming uh, moments in my life, especially when I think about vulnerability. And it really drives home the point that we sort of know, but sometimes we forget, which is a lot of the stuff that we're actively trying to contend with, even at our advanced ages and you know grown folks tell us all the time we're still young so bear with me <laughs> but so much of it started at childhood yes and sometimes we don't even get to the point where we can interrogate it until you know late teenage them you know young adulthood whatever you want to call those first phase of 20s and even then it's still learning like at that point in time we're just beginning to name it <laughs> Right. And it's like, woo, we still have so much more to go. But, you know, we're starting, which is good, but who do we have places to go? 
They never said growth would be easy, let alone uh, a quick endeavor. So <laughs> I'm glad that we're learning it now rather than never. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you guys. And um, Paul, I appreciate you mentioning like your personal experience with it and that, um, and even the boys will be boys piece because that made me think about, um, well, I'm not, I don't identify as a boy. Right. Um, I am a black woman and I feel like uh, when we talk about the emotional piece of vulnerability, there are some emotions that feel almost illegal for a black woman to express. Mm. Um, like, you know, anger or sadness or, you know, just uh, the idea that we're supposed to be like some strong, like force of nature. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for me, like I go into a lot of situations unable to be vulnerable, not like in a work setting and, uh, even when I'm first meeting new people. Sure. Um, and then I realized like, I even have a difficult time, like being vulnerable with myself, you know, like in private, like um, being able to admit to myself that I um, feel certain things. And I talked to my therapist about this. Um, and, you know, I had, I've had issues like admitting to myself when I'm angry or admitting to myself when I'm sad about something like there's always this constant guard up because it's like in order to be like the strong black woman, it's like I sort of have to um, shield or like cover or even deny those feelings. Mm. Um, so yeah, like I, I appreciate you mentioning that because I think a lot of our background, and I hope I'm not getting too ahead of myself, does mm. start to play um, <laughs> into it. Mm-hmm. No, you no I think know. that's a great addition oh i'm sorry paul go ahead no no you took the words out of my mouth <laughs> please continue <Lisa. laughs> but before we move on i think i just want to sit in that area for a half a second because we have more questions themed towards that but it's very important for us to consider the ways that others sit with vulnerability too because as we discussed up and down on you know our podcast episodes just because you're black, you know, just because you're black and college educated, just because you're black college educated and then maybe a man or black college educated and a woman doesn't mean you experience stuff in the same exact way. But sometimes, and I'm going to talk about social vulnerability too, we forget that the spaces made for others aren't always the spaces we've experienced and the spaces others vulnerability hasn't been safe for aren't the same as ours. And something that I'm thinking about now too, Kristen, is how colorism factors into that as well, because you're also a darker skinned black woman. And as we know, when you're of a darker complexion, that also influences the way you're able to voice needing help, needing rest, needing anything, because the view that we've associated with darker skin is is toughness, is, is carrying burden. And we see that affect us in everywhere from maybe healthcare to expulsions to even the way people speak to us. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh. A lot. <laughs> but this is good because this ties into the next question. Oh, if did y'all have any closing thoughts before we move on? No, sir. None on my end. Not on mine either. Okay. Okay, perfect. This one is going to be a little more specific because I want to ask, what was the first time you were purposely vulnerable and how did it go? 
And to remind you all, if the age you say is the one you currently are, that's okay too. Because through our vulnerability here, we can help others with their story. Because I'm not going to lie, mine <laughs> is a reset age. Not to have a, a, a sap moment since Labor is on the, the, the podcast. <laughs> um, but I don't think I really um, understood vulnerability until I like, got more into my friendship with Libra and our other friend Kira. And I say that because I think um, prior to it, I was, I'll be honest, I was like a questionable friend in some rights. Um, and a lot of it was because like I was, I could be withdrawn sometimes or I wasn't the best communicator and communicating when I, you know, was having issues and needed um, a step back or, you know, just, things that are going on uh, in my life so I think I started learning in college just how to be more open more vulnerable with um friends so that I could be a better one um and even more specifically I started therapy um I want to say around September October uh 2020 um and that's when I like I really started to dive into um uh, vulnerability in that space, um, and it pushed me to be more vulnerable. And well, it has been pushed me to be more vulnerable outside of um, that space. Um, but I, I can be completely honest and say that it's something that I still have to um, work on because I still have trouble um, being vulnerable in certain spaces. Um, like I work for a really, really great company but I can admit that I have been very guarded with um, getting to know people um, and just like building more, uh, I guess, authentic relationships with them. And I feel so bad for it, but it's almost like, I don't know, it's almost like an out of body experience where it's like you're watching yourself do something and you're like, you know that you can do better and you know that it's wrong, but you're so used to it that you just, it's something that is hard to come out of essentially. To start with, I just want to say thank you for sharing all of that, and I'm going to be thanking y'all up and down the podcast, because even sharing your story is an extension of vulnerability. Yes, it is. And there can be so much shame in that sometimes, because we do tend to tell people, if you're asking for help, that's a sign of inadequacy. And then sometimes they'll play the who needs the least help Olympics and be like, what? You, you did this? Well... I did that and my leg was broken. And it's like, whoa, like I'm trying to get support. I'm trying to feel whole. Like I might want a shoulder to cry on. Hey, you snatching the (laughs) the rug from under me. It it really, really hurts because like I said earlier, when we try to be vulnerable and we get a, a, a wall or we don't get a response and right back to the point about practice, It can make us feel like, oh, I'm not meant to do this. Let me just go back to the old ways. But something that we often don't voice to ourselves is the old ways wasn't getting the job done, that perhaps it was easier to ignore them to an extent because they were internal. But when we interrogate our self-talk and maybe even our journal entries for those who journal, they're like, wow, like I I really wasn't doing a good job of talking to myself because, like you said, Kristen, we haven't practiced being vulnerable. It hasn't been safe 
oppressive practices sometimes too, because our vulnerability is often tied to, you know, our immediate safety based off who we're around, but also our financial safety, you know, in relation to our job, our social safety in regards to those we, we frequently are around. And to now answer for me, I've had to um, grow how I'm vulnerable at every age. So I legitimately think I could say 19 and 20 and 21 all the way up to 24 qualify because at each distinct age, the way I explored and had to navigate vulnerability have been so different because vulnerability is this really big and grand spectrum. And just because I was vulnerable about the way class makes me feel doesn't mean I was vulnerable about the way my family makes me feel or my friends or my partner. And it can be easy to, you know, pat yourself on the back and be like, I did it. Like I'm good. And whole time you did do the one thing or the one component, but still got a little more, you know, progress to make on the journey. For sure. And I think that, that journey that you're talking about is something that it's really resonating with me because um, I can think of various moments. Um, I've never had a, a major issue of being vulnerable. I feel like that's kind of in my nature, but I think I've had experiences where I don't necessarily think I was around the right people to receive it or to uh, at least uh, support me in my vulnerability, uh, which kind of turned me off or shut me down in a space where now I am distrusting or I don't feel as comfortable um, sharing or being true. And now I have to, I have this imposter syndrome per se, because I now um, am guarded. And I think um, back to my initial transition into graduate school, um, I never had any issues of being my true self and people accepting me or telling, quote unquote, telling it like it is or being open to criticism, feedback, and just people's um, feelings and emotion. And likewise, um, in, in return for me, you know, reciprocity is something that I try to embody and something that I look for in my relationships um, at all levels. But I think when I got to graduate school, I was in a new environment and to try, you know, <laughs> try what I typically do in this new environment wasn't as wise. And I know we tell students um, this all the time. I know I do at least like just because it worked in high school doesn't mean it's going to work in college. Um, I should have applied that same mindset to vulnerability and in new environments just because I'm this great. I don't want to see now. Maybe I'm patting myself on the ground. I feel like I am a great guy. I feel like I'm open and always friendly and, and willing to, you know, try to build with folks. That doesn't mean that um, everyone is the right people that I need to build, uh, let alone that I need to invest time and energy and effort into as well. So I think it made me guard it initially, and I just had to um, – Thank you again, Kristen, and um, Liebert as well. But my own journey with therapy, I had to start seeing a therapist to really, like, kind of reset myself and remind myself of who I was and and remind myself that it's okay to be um, who I am, you know, while also um, learning new techniques to open up, to be transparent, to really get genuineness from everyone I encounter um, and being okay to let people go when they're not in that light um, and it's okay no matter if they were my best friend from day one um, some certain people certain um, energies they don't belong 
um, in your space. And it's okay for you to remove those negative energies, those negative spirits when it's necessary. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of my journey where I was. Now I'm being more purposeful <laughs> with my vulnerability now that I'm in graduate school and looking towards um, finishing soon. Mm -hmm. And we've reached a point now we're really highlighting that vulnerability is a social experience. And our society tends to be very individualized. So it would lead us to believe that it's vulnerability is a journey that you go on alone. But as we've discussed, you need people because if you're around a bunch of trees, you can't truthfully be vulnerable because they can't talk back. You know, they can't prop, uh, prop and raise you up. And it's really important that we allow those who love us, allow them to love us because we think, oh, well, I don't want to burden this person with my feelings or it's not their business or whatever, but it's like, why not? You know, how do you know that they don't want to actively be there with you and support you and make sure you're presenting as you'd like to present? Because now we can talk about how our stories are never really just ours because there's always going to be somebody out there who can relate whether we know it or not. And the versions of us that live in everybody's heart is going to be different from the ones that live in ours because we're the one in the body. So while we're ashamed and we're thinking, oh, like I can't share, nobody will care, everybody else around you is telling this story of, I wish you would share more. I wish you would let me in. And sometimes we let one experience be the generalized one for all. Sure. But just because the first person you told about your bad day rebuffed you or maybe your bad experiences, doesn't mean that the next person will. But to our definitions earlier of vulnerability, we have to be willing to take the chance and most importantly, not internalize it when our bubble accidentally gets bursted. Because a while ago, um, maybe like two-ish or three months at this point, one of my friends told me that. She was like, I need to work on the way that I'm vulnerable because I'll make the space, but I won't always participate in it. And I really sat and I thought about it and I realized, and I, I love metaphors and analogies as y'all probably know by now, mm -hmm. but there's a big difference between giving somebody the room and then leaving until they get themselves together than sitting in there with them and like actively sharing back and actively contributing. Because sometimes when people are being vulnerable, we believe maybe they want an answer or they want to vent or whatever. But sometimes people want to actively talk through whatever is on their mind in that moment. Yeah. And, you know, we can ask to fill gaps too, but when we write stuff off because we think this is what I want when I'm vulnerable, we forget to be attentive to the person in front of us. And that's so important, like just as a standard to do. Absolutely. And b before I press on, um, do you all want to add any additional thoughts to that? Because I want to highlight your point on willingness and because I think that's a great transition into our next question. Mm -hmm. um, I'm all set on my end. What about you, Kristen? I'm all set. Well, we'll, we'll be all set together. Um, and Liebert, you kind of led us already um, when you on your discussion around willingness. 
And our third segment is focusing on vulnerability and uh, identity. So a variety of factors influence our willingness to be vulnerable. So I guess our question now would be, is what are some of the ways or what are some that were present in your life? What were some examples of willingness being present in your life or you being willing to be vulnerable in your life? What are those factors? Mm-hmm. Something that made me willing, that made me willing to be vulnerable was people reminding me that there was no wrong way to be so and that it was okay to be vulnerable because especially as a young boy and, you know, now a young man, we're often told, like, there are certain things you as a boy can't do in relation to being vulnerable. And we're allowed to be vulnerable with our anger, right? That's perhaps one of the few emotions we're allowed as young men Mm -hmm. to consistently voice and utilize. But that's limiting that can influence other harmful behaviors but then it also leads to us appraising that emotion is higher because space is made for that rather than getting the opportunity to be vulnerable with all of our other stuff. Because being vulnerable with my sadness, even though sadness may have been the emotion I understood the best, was something that just did not cross my mind until, like I said, towards the middle-ish times of college or later because I had never gotten room for that. You know, it's always, you have a roof over your head. You know, what are you sad about? Or, you know, you you in college on a scholarship. You know, right. what are you sad about? Right. And it's like, why is it that you, you weaponize the other stuff against me as if it's wrong for me to talk about this? And that also feeds into the toxicity of some of my old friendships, too. Because when people who you see and kick it with a lot aren't making that space for you, it's kind of hard to say you're truly friends because right. friends should be able to share with each other. You know, if the engagements are really one dimensional and all we're talking about is sports, then I just don't think that's a friendship because where's the room for like the care, you know, where's the right. room to be accountable? Where's the room to grow together? For sure. I want to add, um, oh, please, no, Kristen. Oh, here goes that awkward moment. Oh, no, you go. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just going to uh, add on to what Liebert said um, because I think, I mentioned earlier, like, you know, the, the some of the systemic factors of the impact vulnerability, but one of the, the biggest factors for me is past experiences sort of like Libra touched on like you know um when he talked about like past friendships I think um you know having failed a platonic or romantic uh relationship has been uh, played a big factor in my willingness to um try vulnerability with other people um because I sort of get like in a space where I'm like okay I have these cool friends, this has worked out so far. I think I'll stay here. I don't think I have to branch out or, or really try with other people because this is comfortable and um, I can stay here. And, like, being vulnerable with more people would require a level of 
um, some uncomfortableness uh, that I haven't been willing to take a step in. I'm working on it. That's the important thing. But um, definitely the past experiences, and I often say, like, you know, in terms of romantic relationships, it's like if one more person breaks my heart, it's like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fight or whatever it is. So I've been unwilling to um, give new people my time because I feel like that opens me up to um, having my time wasted, essentially. Um, And that goes back to, you know, that piece where vulnerability for me has always been something viewed as like a weakness, unfortunately, um, that I have to continue to work on. Um, And as we all mentioned, it's something that we have to keep being intentional about and something that we have to keep practicing. For sure, for sure. And and your comments make me think of the ecological factors that impact our vulnerability. And I was automatically thinking about uh, students or children who are growing up in underserved communities compared to those who are um, in more affluent communities. And it's that fight or flight. Like, so I, I can't afford to be quote unquote vulnerable because of how my peers may react. It may be a sign of weakness as you just uh, shared. And I know you use the example of um, athletics, but that, that mindset is also translated into the streets for certain students, for certain individuals, right? So if I show vulnerability, they, they may think I'm soft and now they'll, they may try me or, um, and again, when I think about, um, those in underserved communities, they're typically, um, less financially stable. So, um, finances, uh, your development, your community, your schools, all that, um, plays a part in your development of how you, one, view vulnerability and then how you display that, um, moving forward. And I know for myself, again, it's, I was lucky enough to be in an environment where it was okay to be vulnerable around my family. And I had to learn to be vulnerable around my, my chosen family, my friends. So, um, I was blessed, but I know many people and, and those who have gone through major, um, not only personal and career changes, but emotional changes in their lives and to hear their stories, to know of their backgrounds coming from where they came from, their inner city, um, and had to fight to just survive, let alone get to where they are now. Um, I think that played a major part. If they would have had more um, support or development, maybe they would be more vulnerable and maybe they wouldn't be as quote unquote rigid or um, jaded and feel like they can um, actually lean on other people and be supported and not have have that mindset around fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And to now break a little bit more into the way socialization impacts the way we decide to be vulnerable and whom we're vulnerable with, something that we see kind of consistently and Kristen can weigh in more on this in a second is that we pick and choose when to be vulnerable and rather consistently men withhold their vulnerability for women. Mm-hmm. But it's really a laborious task or laborious. Nope. Uh, anyway, it can be a very heavy task to be somebody's um, emotional support person without making time to discuss how much of a shared experience vulnerability is. Because now we have to talk about how folk, and of course, more specifically men, do have a tendency to dump their vulnerability on the women in their lives because we're told that's what you're supposed to do. 
and that complicates a lot of the relationships between black men and black women. And if y'all are probably wondering why did he focus on black folks, my my focus is always on black folks. That's always who I'm talking to or speaking to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But anyway, it can complicate the relationships because it can make it antagonistic. Because why, and this is the question that gets posed, is the vulnerability only appearing in this very nuanced way? Because when you go back out into the world and you're tough and you're this and you're that, and like I said, you have to practice your vulnerability, sometimes you can be sharp in the way you relay it. And then that makes it not be a shared experience, not a shared process, because now we internalize, well, why when you're vulnerable with me are you so harsh? Because when we're not being vulnerable and we're performing, you see them laughing, Mm -hmm. you see them happy. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why when you come back to me do you have this baggage? Why are you heavy? I know that's something I had to sit with too, which is why, like I said earlier, I had to better my friendships as well. Because initially when I was talking to my friends who were men, who were boys, we weren't having this active space, which means we weren't actively alleviating our burdens throughout the day. So then when I'm talking to, you know, like my one little girlfriend at the time, my one friend and my mom, it's all this that I just have to present. But then I wasn't even asking the same back and to start with like I said we're taught to do that but if we don't unlearn doing that too we then stop it from being a a shared and a loving experience because now it really does feel like an extension of work now that makes me question like not question but look back at parenting right um when a lot of our black fathers or I'll speak specifically for my own my father was very loving but he also uh was I guess a typical father in a sense well if you are going through something that's like above his quote-unquote pay grade you know or emotional level go to your mother um and then um right wrong or indifferent my mother typically would go through those highs and lows with me more frequently than my father that doesn't make him any less of a parent um and he's actually more, more transparent more emotionally available now more than ever however um, I think that goes to how they were my parents and how their parents were up right when they were raised, you know, um, and thinking back to how their uh, humble beginnings plays a part on how they render and, ch- and train and develop their own children, which happened to be me. So I, I think it always goes to that root, especially when it um, when you're talking about um, unloading on black women. If for me as a black man, I was conditioned to unload on my mother, who is a black woman, then when I'm going into these new relationships, and if I don't learn that, then I'm willing to do that with now my my partner, which is not my mother. That doesn't mean she can't support me. That doesn't mean she can't listen and, and provide uh, that support. However, now I'm putting in a new burden on her to fill a role that I should have maybe developed for multiple people and not just individuals who are um, past that wall of vulnerability, specifically the women in, in our lives. Well, I'll say, Libra, I'm glad you mentioned, um, and Paul, you've also mentioned this, just the, um, I guess, the way black men are sort of um, unable, I guess, to be vulnerable for a variety of reasons. And um I guess that makes me think about like the way I've always seen vulnerability and just even with my dad, he was not, he, even now he's not, um, 
a, a vulnerable person. There's not a whole lot that I know about my dad um, specifically outside of like things like where you went to school or where, you know, he went to work um, and maybe a few facts from his life growing up. But, you know, those come from like my grandmother or um, my aunt or someone. Um, and I definitely think the way my dad is had a huge impact on me because I often, um, and this would be such an interesting conversation if he ever hears this, but I often have to discuss with my therapist how I am so much like him that it's like, um, like it's ridiculous <laughs> that I am so much like him and, and, um, yeah, like I think the way he is has influenced my thoughts on vulnerability um, as well as other things and even my unwillingness to be because his, his whole mindset has always been like to chase um, accolades essentially like to, you know, forget like the emotional piece and just you have to do good, you have to be better sort of like because of black basically. Um, and, you know, there are systemic factors that Black people have to constantly, constantly on a daily basis, um, you know, come up against. Um, and so just that one Black man in my life, and I have four sisters, um, so he's the only man in the house growing up the whole time. Mm. Um, but this one Black man in my life had the the biggest influence on me and how I am um, today um, in my lack of vulnerability and how I um, have to constantly sort of unpack things and work to, um, I guess, restructure the way that I am in a way that's good for me and everyone around me, basically. And like I said, to start with, I want to thank both of you for sharing all that you've shared, because that really does mean a lot. Because we are often told, like, if you have a growth area, that that's not something you should be talking about. That's something you should actively be working on. Mm. But the reality is that voicing it is the working on it part, or at least is a part of working on it. And to reiterate what Kristen said, because I know sometimes it can be hard to catch big themes in the course of conversations such as these, Black women, too, have a complicated relationship with vulnerability. Because I know that in conversations like this, I've heard many of my peers retort back, so you're saying it's not safe for me to be vulnerable. And it's like, no, I think you should go revisit what I said, and then I'll say to them, Sometimes too much space is made for us to be vulnerable because when you ask many black men, well, have you asked a black woman in your life, like how her day was today and actually let her walk up and down and do it. Sometimes dudes can't respond back because they haven't because we're not prepared to, but like we talk about a lot on this podcast, the whole point of getting new information is so that we can use it because if we don't seek to use it and we don't seek to grow, we can't get these new these new outcomes and these new realizations 
because it really is an extension of community care when we do self-work. You know, one of the leading quotes for this podcast is exploring the world through exploring yourself. Because ultimately through learning and through letting others teach us how to serve ourselves, we then learn how to serve them. Because vulnerability, as with anything, is going to look different across race and then gender orientation and then race and gender orientation and then race, gender orientation and class. Because we have similarities, but we have differences too. And what gets lost in the conversation of we're more alike than we are different is that, but we have to talk about the differences because those differences are where we learn how to understand each other. And um, um, did either of you have any more closing thoughts before we go to the next question? I know we've uh, <laughs> we really took a run through this one, so y'all might not. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, and uh, how about you, Crispy? No, I don't have anything um, else to add. Okay. So our last question for the night, and I'm always sad when the sessions end because I really do love the conversation, is how has your view of being vulnerable changed over time? You know, I referenced earlier how vulnerability has a lot of components and moving parts. And I wanted to put this one in there because I thought it'd be really meaningful for us to walk through that for our listeners so that hopefully they do the same too. And uh, now I'm going to pause and pass the mic to whichever of you would like to answer this question first. Oh, and listeners, don't be stunned by the silence. This is a big topic, so I know <laughs> I've definitely had to take time to gather my thoughts too. <laughs> I think the initial answer is obvious, right? The willingness to be vulnerable. Um, and I think that is part of our own development. As we get older, we get wiser. We um, have different spaces of knowledge where we draw upon to make our own worldview moving forward. So I would say, obviously, the willingness, because now that I'm an older man, now that I'm, I'm completing graduate school, um, I have a different view on what vulnerable, vulnerability is and what it looks like in my life. So I would say... Um, the obvious is um, with age, it has definitely changed. It has made it more prominent in my life, more so than um, something that needs to be silenced, kept away, or uh, suppressed. And I think um, that's for the better. I think with, with how the world is changing and developing all around us, I think it's almost a natural instinct for us to adapt to this time in order to be successful, in order to um, be our true best selves, right? That used to be a hashtag, live your best life, right? Um, so in order to have that, that version, in my opinion, of your best life, you need some level of vulnerability. Um, and it has to be a part of everything you do. So um, I think knowledge has <laughs> influenced that change for me um, and my development. I can say for me that... Um I no longer view vulnerability as like a weakness, but rather like a strength because it does take a lot for someone to, um, you know, overcome things that they've internalized or things that they've been taught to, you know, open themselves up to um, others. And I think vulnerability can be a beautiful thing. And I no longer look at it as something that's like, 
um, you know, if you're vulnerable, you could lose this or this, but more so like, you know, if you're vulnerable, you could gain something really. Like you can gain the, uh, a good relationship from it, whether that's with friends, uh, you know, romantic partners, um, you know, in different settings, like there is something to gain from being vulnerable and not, you know, something uh, to lose so much. Um, and yeah, like it's, it's more of a positive than the negative that we've all been um, taught to view it as. Yeah, and I'm, I'm right in line with the both of you. I've recognized that my view of vulnerability is never going to be complete or be done because every time you meet a new person, you have to get tested on your vulnerability, right? right. And the way you present and the way you perform. And because of the fears I had in relation to vulnerability, I just wanted to be done. Like, I wanted to be able to say, okay, like, I know how to do it. But every time you meet somebody new, you have to work in more of your interests, more of your desires, more of your fears. And it can seem hard, right? It can seem long because you're like, oh, man, I got to do it all over again. But there's so much joy in that because it's really a way of better learning yourself. And sometimes that can come from, people being vulnerable with you in ways that you didn't even know and now you like what they've exposed you to, but also the comforting piece of finding out something that you really, really love is something that they love too. And I think about how like the other day when Paul and I were shooting our Avatar episode and he was cracking me up. He's like, yo, like, I didn't realize how much I love these small nuances in Avatar. And before I talked to him and, like, Kristen and Kira and Jane and some of my other friends, I would think, like, hey, am I the only one looking at this show this way? Like, am I weird? <laughs> <laughs> but then you you be vulnerable and you share the thought. And now somebody else pulled out this long notebook. And it's like, what? <laughs> I've been waiting to talk about this with somebody. <laughs> yeah, and it's so affirming. And also realizing that just because you've had a, a bad or an angry moment with someone, doesn't mean you have to like retreat into yourself too because I remember before I tried to be very poised and very contained and I wouldn't really want to like show my anger or my sadness even though I could vocalize it to myself because I'm like oh like if they see that like it'll become a running joke you know or it'll become a this or a that but like I said earlier and like we kept saying if folk make you feel like you can't be vulnerable it's really important to remember that it's okay to disengage with people. You know, I joke with Kristen all the time about breaking up with friends, mm. but sometimes we do have to do that because if both parties aren't quite benefiting, then y'all might need to split either permanently or for a bit or whatever, because there's some work that needs to be done. Um, Libra, I'm actually glad you mentioned that, um, like that breaking up <laughs> part, um, just because I think, and I think Paul mentioned this earlier, um, but, you know, sometimes when we go to try to, well, when we are being vulnerable uh, with others, does it mean that that relationship will always be a match? 
and that's okay. I don't. It's, it's not something that's like, oh, there's something wrong with them or there's something wrong with me. It's just, you know, sometimes people just aren't, you know, meant to have those relationships, and it doesn't take away or add anything to either party. It's just what it is, essentially. And I think that's important to remember um, because not everyone that we are vulnerable with will turn into, um, you know, some great friendship or some great relationship. Um, And just because it doesn't, doesn't mean that we should, you know, stop trying um, and stop being vulnerable with other people that we encounter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You just made me think about how we may have to do an episode on properly breaking up with people because a byproduct of, you know, snip, snip culture is that we just sort of traumatically cut people off. You know, we don't always give them, yeah, we don't always give them the review, but, and Paul and I have learned this through our counseling training. If you do a one strike rule with people, that's sometimes a trauma response Absolutely. because you're thinking, Oh, like, if this person transgressed against me, like they want to seriously hurt me when to, you know, this whole conversation on vulnerability, if you haven't shared with people the things that do hurt you, they may not know that you're hurting you, which isn't to say people aren't purposely vicious either, but I am saying that sometimes we accidentally do harm. And we have to talk about that need to like review and see if people want to be accountable, so that you aren't just breaking up with people left and right and missing out on what could have been a really good, you know, bond and growth phase for you. Now, do you want to lead us into the next segment, Paul? Yes, I don't mind at all. So I'm looking forward to that Break Up to Make Up episode, man. Maybe we can get the stylistics in there. <laughs> I may be showing my age, but that is a game for fools, and I think we can – um. <laughs> have a robust conversation about it and how to properly do it. But that is for another day. For today, we are finally at that moment where we highlight those who are doing good work um, or who just need a little bit of extra loving. This is that lead by example segment. So again, during this segment, we highlight those who are doing good, who are doing good work, uh, or who want or need just a little highlight shining um, in love. So, Lieber or Kristen, do you all have uh, anyone you want to highlight tonight or today? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a highlight my homie uh, Josh, who we had on our episode twelve on conceptualizing satire, because his birthday was, uh, what's today, the third. So yeah, his birthday was yesterday, the second. Apologize for the brain lag. I'm kind of tired. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I've been one of the main homies since we got to Morehouse, one of my best homies. And who doesn't love a good celebration of life? You know, I was really happy to go into my photo vault down memory lane as I was looking for stuff to post. So that's who I'm going to shout out. <laughs> Back down memory lane. Shout out Josh, man. It's your birthday. I hope you celebrated your life, your soul of a time. Uh, Whatever you want to call it, it is a celebration because you have a wonderful life. You have champions around you, and um, you are being celebrated. So shout out to Josh. Happy birthday, brother. <laughs> um, I think I would like to shout out uh, a friend of Weaver and 
uh, eyes. I don't even know if that was grammatically correct, but it's cool. It's all good. Um, uh, oh, our friend Phil, uh, he's a cool guy um, and a really hard worker, but shout out to him as he um, tries to get the seven-page paper done, all thought with him. <laughs> so shout out to Phil. Shout out Phil from the future. Phil, the cool guy, this is for you. That seven-page paper, you're going to knock it out. You're going to be excellent. You're going to get the remarks and the outcomes that you're looking for from that paper. This one's for you, Phil. <laughs> and shout out to episode 24. We Facts. have Phil on that one. <laughs> Check it out. And now you, Paul? Uh, for me, I have uh, two more scholars. You may be seeing a theme, and this may be the lead-up for me um, as we get ready for that scholar takeover episode again. But I love highlighting our students um, and these young black men who are pursuing purpose and excellence on a daily basis. So I want to make sure I shout out Darkus Henry Jr. as well as Aaron Hooker. Um, these are two wonderful black men, uh, wonderful uh, students uh, of scholars, house living learning community here at the University of Connecticut. They are on their way to graduation in May, so just a, a month away. And not only are they graduating, but they're getting ready to pursue graduate degrees um, upon graduation. So Aaron is pursuing a higher ed and student affairs degree at UMD. And Darkus is pursuing a teaching ed program here at the University of Connecticut. So Darkus and Aaron, y'all my guys. You already know New Haven stand up. I don't know uh, what's the area code for New Haven, but Pistol Wave in New Haven, whatever y'all want to say. This one is for y'all, man. New Haven, it's 203, right? It's two. I think it's 203. Shout out to the 203. You know, but all jokes aside, Aaron. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Corey, you know I know better, man. I, I should know better, but. These are great young men. Shout out to you, brothers. Keep on pursuing excellence. Now, Libra, do you want to toss uh, that question of the day for our listeners as we close? Of course, of course. So, as you all know, on our wonderful Instagram, which is at Thoughts from Counselors, we post some closing listener questions of the day where we hope to hear y'all's feedback, y'all's thoughts, but most importantly, allow you to tap in and be a part of the conversation. And for today's question of the day, we want to ask, how do you practice vulnerability? And I'm going to say that one more time for you all. How do you practice vulnerability? And before we fully close up and pull the plug, we want to make one last space for some key takeaways and final thoughts from everybody on the call. If there's any last burning thing or maybe lightly sizzling thing that you want to leave our listeners with, this is your last opportunity before we close up. Listeners, take advantage of therapy. Um, if you have access to it, at, no matter what level you are, there is some form of therapeutic and uh, mental health and emotional health services out there for you. Take advantage of it. Having these conversations leads to that growth and development that you may strive for from by listening to podcasts like these or um, being around individuals who encourage it around you. Or maybe they don't and you feel this way. Um, you feel uh, similar feelings that all of our uh, hosts today and our guests shared today. So please make sure that you take advantage of those services. 
Um, and if you need any support finding them, make sure you lean on your champions. And you can always reach out to uh, Thoughts from a Counselor, and we can help provide you some of that support as well if need be. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Uh, Kristen, did you happen to have any closing thoughts? Um, yeah, so I just like to say um, vulnerability, like uh, many other things, is just um, it's something that we all will have to continue practicing. It's not something that's ever complete or done. Um, and so just encouraging everyone listening to uh, continue to give yourself grace and uh, continue to practice because just like with practice for a lot of things, there will be times where we get it right and times where we don't. Um, but, you know, it's still important to keep trying and, um, you know, keep working to create uh, good spaces for ourselves and the people around us. <laughs> See, I was telling Kristen, we, we finally been together long enough to start sharing a brain because she pulled that thought right out of my head. <laughs> so, so since mine has been stolen, I think what I'll say, I'll, I'll say supported, not stolen. <laughs> since my idea has been supported, what I'll say is that it's okay to be tired about the vulnerability journey because there's definitely going to be times where you feel that you don't have the reserves to talk about how you feel yet, or maybe that you don't have the language yet, and realize that that's okay too. You know, we're actively learning, and I often joke and say dating ourselves, because every day we're learning a little bit more. So as you learn more about you, remember that it's okay to be hmm, a bit confused, because eventually you'll get the understanding. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's how you close right there. Mm-hmm. So, um, I am Libra Lester III. And I'm Paul Singleton II. And before we close, thank you again to our wonderful guests for coming out. You know I got to hit the button, so. <laughs> Kristen, thank you so much again for coming out and sharing your talents, your knowledge, and wisdom on this wonderful podcast. Now, Thank you guys so much for having me. <laughs> no problem at all. No all right. Problem. And Thoughts from a Counselor is signing off, everybody. Peace. That's what you are. I'm tired of sitting on you, babe. Till I'm just waiting on you, babe. This shot gonna be mine. Let's try to rewind. If you don't read my signs, I'll